Good morning and welcome to Monday morning, June the 15th in 2020 on When I Rise. We're in year A in proper week seven, which is the third Sunday after Pentecost here in the ordinary time of the lectionary year. So on Mondays, we like to take a look at the Old Testament text for the week. And so we're going to be in the book of Genesis again, in Genesis chapter 21. And the translation that I'm going to use for any Old Testament passage from Genesis through Deuteronomy uh, comes from a translation from a guy named Richard Elliot Friedman. He's an Old Testament scholar, and he's got a book called The Bible with Sources Revealed. So he he translates it right right he translates the text right from the Old Testament text. And I've been enjoying reading this in my study time, and so I'll read from that uh, passage from this book. But it's still Genesis 21. It's still the Old Testament. So I'll read that passage. So if it sounds uh, different, that's just the reason that it is. And uh, you can Google that and you can see uh, that book on Amazon. So once again, from Genesis chapter 21, I'll read that passage, provide a couple points of reflection, then spend some time leading us to a moment of prayer this morning. Thanks for making this party morning on When Our Eyes. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Genesis chapter 21, verses 8 through 21. And the boy grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a big feast in the day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, fooling around. And she said to Abraham, Drive this maid out and her son, because the son of this maid will not inherit with my son, with Isaac. And the thing was very bad in Abraham's eyes in regard to his son. God said to Abraham, Let it not be bad in your eyes about the boy and about your maid. Everything that Sarah tells you, listen to her voice, because seed for you will be called by Isaac. And I will make the maid's son into a nation as well, because he is your seed. And Abraham got up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it to Hagar. He put them on her shoulder and the boy and he sent her off. And she went and strayed in the Beersheba wilderness. And the water was finished from the bottle, and she thrust the boy under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat opposite, going as far as a bowshot, because she said, Let me not see the boy's death. And she sat opposite and raised her voice and wept. And God heard the boy's voice, and an angel of the Lord called to Hagar from the heavens and said to her, What trouble do you have, Hagar? Don't be afraid, because God has heard the boy's voice where he is. Get up, carry the boy, and hold him in your hand, because I shall make him into a big nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a water well, and she went and filled the bottle with water, and had the boy drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew, and he lived in the wilderness, and was a bowman. And he lived in the Paran wilderness, and his mother took him a wife, from the land of Egypt. This is the word of God for us. One of the vital tasks of looking at an ancient scripture like the Old Testament is to ask questions of how it all came together and where does it come from? And although we can't know everything, we can give our best educated guess. And there's a theory out there that uh, helps us to look at this text in an interesting light. Uh, To put simply, there's a theory called the Documentary Hypothesis that looks at the first five books of the Bible. 
and considers that they may have come from different sources and were put together at some point in the Old Testament period. Now, we don't know exact dates and times, but with all that we know from history, for all we know, studying grammar, um, we can make some conclusions. There is uh, significant evidence that this particular passage, passage written by a source that came from an era that we call uh, the divided kingdom. So between 922 BC to 722 BC, the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes, were cut in two, and there were 10 northern tribes, and there were the two southern tribes. The 10 northern tribes were called Israel, the two southern tribes called Judah. And the 10 northern tribes, after they were carried off into exile by the Assyrians, later to became collectively known as the Samar- Samaria or the Samaritans. So that, that gets uh, some... It gives some context for the Samaritans that Jesus interacts with and that are in the New Testament. But there's a conflict between these two sets of people, even though they come from the same origin, Abraham, uh, there's significant differences. And we suppose, uh, this, is just a, uh, this is just a theory, that this passage uh, that's put in the book of Genesis comes from a priestly source from the Northern Kingdom. Why is that, why is that important? Uh, there's, this, I think, a stereotype that the two southern tribes, or Judah, had a better faithfulness than the northern tribes, the ten northern tribes. And we can see that, by the way, uh, the scripture tells a story. Uh, and so imagine that you or I are from this inferior place, it was presumed. And that's, this is what we see in John chapter 4 as Jesus is talking to the woman at the well who's a Samaritan. That there's like a first class, second class status among the general people in that area. You can imagine you grew up with a little bit of either some bitterness or maybe some shame because of where you come from. I think what's important is that as we look at this text, it speaks to that soul issue. Uh, Hagar, uh, that were this, this passage is in the middle of the story, but Hagar was Sarah's, who was the spouse of Abraham. Hagar was a maidservant who, when Sarah was unable to have kids, she commanded that uh, Abraham um, have a child through Hagar. And Hagar had a son named Ishmael, and he came before Isaac. So when God gave Isaac to Abraham and Sarah, um, Sarah seems to have uh, this rivalry and envy. She doesn't want anything to do with Hagar or her son getting in the way of Isaac's upbringing. So at this great feast, Sarah makes her move. And she says, I want you to put Hagar and her son out. They're illegitimate. And Abraham's crushed because he loves Hagar. He loves Ishmael, but he obviously loves Sarah and he loves Isaac. And so what does he do? So we're surprised that God intervenes and says, yeah, this seems like a harsh thing, but go ahead and cast Hagar and uh, Ishmael out of your household, but I'll take care of them. And so here they go wandering in the wilderness and on the brink of death, God intervenes and hears the cry, not of Hagar, but of Ishmael this time. And God responds with water for that moment, but also for a way in which to build Ishmael into a great nation. Now that, that nation continues to inhabit the strife between Israel and Egypt, but nevertheless, God provides. And I think, why is this important? This kind of this seems like, as you, read, you and I are reading through Genesis, you think this is a weird thing to have in the middle of the book of Genesis. Perhaps this is the reason why. Uh, someone writing from the northern kingdom understands the stereotypes against them. But they have this, this faith deep within that even though they are the cast-off ones, that they're not going to be forgotten. And that the relationship between God and who might be chosen, who may not be chosen, may not be as clear-cut 
as we might suggest, and we see this in the teaching of Jesus, is don't let sometimes the, um, I don't know, the, the conclusions that many people might have, the stereotypes that people may have developed over time, something else might be going on there. Uh, Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman at the well, and she becomes the hero of the day in their culture. Again and again, Jesus draws tax collectors and sinners and some of the misfits of society, and he causes them to be set apart for his great purposes. And so this is a story that reminds us uh, not to come to quick conclusions, but to say, who knows, maybe God can still redeem even the most complicated of stories, which I think is important for us to consider right now because we are we are living a complicated story in our culture. And what I see again and again is that people are jumping to quick conclusions without taking it as a matter of long and patient prayer before God. So let's not be swept away by these easy conclusions. Let's allow God to work in our hearts and to shape our imaginations for what faithfulness looks like in our day and time. Let's spend some time praying this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I thank you today that you brought us into your family. And this is an act of grace. Um, If things were left to us and if it really was concluded about the the way that we've said and done things and thought things in our life, we would not find ourselves in the family of God. But because, God, you prepared a way, we are here. And because of that, we have deep gratitude. God, today we thank you that we have a chance to repent, to change our minds. And, God, one of the things that we struggle with is in a time of extreme confusion, we try to come to a conclusion as quickly as possible so that we can move on. But, God, we thank you that you've called us to the faithful life. you call us to the wise life, which at times takes great patience and much prayer. And so, God, we repent this day of the times in which we've come to conclusions about people or groups of people or people with checkered past who've made perhaps not the wisest decisions. We've written them off so that we can move on to the next thing. But God, we thank you that this wasn't your rubric, how you lived life, uh, how you showed faithfulness through the life of Jesus. But he reached out to the outcast, to the misfit, and to the sinner, and he trusted in God's long plan. So God, we pray that you give us the mind of Christ today, that we would be patient with one another, that we would be faithful within your world. And God, may we see grace upon grace spring up in a thousand different places because we dared to believe that you get the final word. So God, be with us today. Allow us to be transformed so that we can see the world as you see it and everyone within it. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.